0: Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Following David's great sin, he wrote Psalm 51. It was his psalm of repentance. In verse 10, he made this statement, "'Create in me a clean heart, O God.'" And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Sure, he wanted to stop doing that again. He wanted that removed. He wanted to be forgiven. But notice what he said clean my heart. David knew. That the heart is the seat of life. David understood that the heart is the center of life. This is where it all begins. And as all of us are trying to be better, all of us are working on something We're all trying to improve. We're all trying to grow. We want to be more spiritually mature. And it absolutely must be that we consider the heart. And so for a few minutes this morning, we'll think about the heart. And we're going to use the example of Titus as a man of a good heart. To know how to have a good heart. What that means and what is the value of a good heart. In the first place, since the heart is the center of everything. David's son said, keep your heart for out of it come the issues of life. He must have learned that from his father. And he gives us an idea that we need to consider. He says, first of all, keep it. Secure it. Put it under lock and key. If you're going to try and have the heart that God wants us to have, we must make sure that it is secure. In Colossians 1 Paul was writing to those Christians and he gave them three ideas about being concerned and checking on the heart. And it's in these ideas that we find why it is that everything comes from the heart and why Paul said therefore do this. Colossians 1 is a Very practical chapter of various things that confront us in life. And he uses three ideas from which we can learn how to secure the heart. He says, first of all, put off. Put off. The idea is guard the front door. If I'm going to secure my heart, I need to make sure that the front door of my life is guarded properly. I don't want things to come in that will affect my heart. That's the challenge that all of us face Those are the things that cause us the difficulty because with our eyes and with our minds and with our lives, we see the things that are out there. And Paul told those people, he said, you better watch it. You better put these things off. Put up something to guard your life so that those things don't get in. If I'm going to have a heart that is right with God, I have to guard the front door. Put off these things. Number two, he says, and put on these things. There's a list of things there that Paul said we should put on. And therefore, he's telling us, number two, check the storage area of your heart. No matter how much we guard the door, there are things that are going to sneak through. And therefore, Paul told these brethren, he said, you better check the storage area. See what's over there. See what got through and be sure to kick it out. But more importantly, put these things there. Don't leave any room for something else to get in. Fill your heart with these things. And you can notice all of the positive things that Paul said are a part Of a heart storing good things. And finally, number three, he said, Whatever you do, verse 17, in word or life, do all to the glory of God. Monitor the back door. That is, what we do because of what is in the heart, what's flowing through the heart into our lives, we monitor that back door. Are those good things that I put in my storage area, are they getting out? As all the things of God pass through my heart, am I getting them out into my life? Therefore, my heart is what God wants it to be. And therefore, Paul had said, you guard the front door, you check the storage area, and you monitor the back door. Now notice Titus. Titus was a man who had a good heart, and Paul said it a number of times, referencing him, and if you want to follow along in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is where I will begin noticing a few things that Paul said about this great man, Titus. And from these things, we know what a good heart looks like. Because I can read a heart, the only way I have to read a heart is what is happening on the outside. Now, I'm not a judge of hearts, and you're not to be judges of hearts. But Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them And therefore, I can see the fruit in the life of Titus. And I can therefore say, oh, I know he had a good heart. Because this is the kind of man that he was. Number one, he was a man whose heart was such that he brought comfort with him everywhere. Chapter 7 and verse number six. Nevertheless, God not only comforted us, but also by the coming of Titus, who comforted us. Titus is one of those guys that when Paul was in trouble, he knew that Titus could comfort him. There are some people in life, when you are desperate, when you're sad, when things aren't working well. You know who you can call, don't you? You know who will listen. You know who cares. You know who will have a good word or just a shoulder to cry on. There are people who just are known because they bring comfort. The other side, of course, would be those who bring chaos. If we're going to be the people who have the heart that God wants us to have, let us emulate Titus, of whom Paul would say, He comforts me. Number two, look at verse 13. We've been comforted in your comfort, and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Titus rejoiced in obedience. Paul had sent Titus to check on the people in Corinth. The backstory of this heart of Titus centers around what happened, particularly in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is there that Paul wrote a scathing denunciation. Church in Corinth, you have a man living in an improper relationship with his own stepmother, and you've done nothing about it. And Paul rebuked them. And this letter was so difficult that Paul called it a grievous letter that he wrote. And what happened was they reacted even more than he had thought. They just threw him out. And Paul said, I appreciate the fact that you stand for truth, but you need to love him as a brother. Bring him back in as a fixed person. Paul was so concerned how the brethren would receive that letter that he sent Titus down there to find out how they were doing. Are they handling it well? It's enough to know that in the midst of that tough situation... Paul sent Titus and now he comes back to comfort him and he finds out that Titus is rejoicing. He is full of joy because what he found was obedient people. If I'm going to have a heart that is what Jesus wants me to have, I need to have a heart that rejoices in obedience, one who is willing to say, I appreciate someone who simply wants to obey Jesus. The other kind of heart, of course, is rebellious. But I want to be one who rejoices in obedience. Look at chapter 8, verse number 6. We urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would complete this grace in you. A good heart, like Titus, is a heart that finishes what it sets out to do. Sometimes we quit. Sometimes we just stop because we are depressed, we are sad, we feel defeated, things are not good, and therefore we just sit out and stop. But Titus was one, he said, who because he had started this work, he's going to finish this work. We need people of hearts who notice what needs to be done and who with every part of their being, intend to see it through, whatever it is. Think about how it relates to this church. The men who agree to serve and shepherd this church, they would be men who complete the task. They become shepherds. What about those who are appointed to be deacons? They follow through with the work that they've been assigned to do. They don't just let it lie, and someone constantly has to poke them to say, Are you getting it done? How about teachers who agree to be a part of teaching and you don't quit? You sure you'll get tired? You might get frustrated but you finish what you set out to do. And we could go on and on describing, but it's good enough to know that a good heart finishes what it sets out to do. Look at verse number 16. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care of you into the heart. Of Titus. He accepted this exhortation and he was more diligent. He went of his word the text read earlier. Here was a man who was self-motivated. A good heart is self-motivated. A good heart says, I know what I need to do and I'm just going to do it." A good heart doesn't need constant badgering from somebody else. Oh, I might be badgering myself. Stop it. Do better. But that's a part of being self-motivated. Titus, of his own accord, of his own desire, he made the choice to go and finish this work. He went to see them. That's what a good heart does. Look at verse 23. Paul labeled him my partner and fellow worker. A person with a good heart is able to partner with others to create success. Are you a good partner? Do people want to work with you? Are you a good team player? That's what a good heart will do. A good heart will say, whatever this team needs, that's what I'm going to provide. Whatever this church needs from me, I'll do it. And I will partner up with other people. And can you see the power of what would happen when people of good hearts get together And team up to do whatever the work is, whatever the need is. It takes people who are able to partner together. The other side of that, though, is those who are lone wolves. If you're not doing it my way, I don't want to be a part. If I can't do it the way that I want to do it, then I'm finished. The church cannot survive with people who are like that. We all need to be people who are willing to say, I'll partner. I'll be a fellow worker. Again, now over in Galatians chapter 2, we find a very difficult situation. Paul came down to preach, and and he was there among Greek-speaking and Gentile people. When he was with the Jews earlier, he had Timothy with him. And because he was with the Jewish people speaking to them, in order to fit well with that society, Timothy was circumcised. But Titus being a Gentile, had not been circumcised. And when he came to those Greek and Gentile people, there were some Jewish people who came in, and the text says they came in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ. Because Paul didn't have Titus circumcised, because he's making a point. Titus had a heart that would hold up under pressure. I don't know how difficult that pressure was. I don't know how intense was the contention that says, you better do what we tell you to do, or you're going to be an outcast. But Titus stood firm, a good heart that is a good foundation that is good and solid with the Lord, will stand up under whatever pressure comes along. And it's going to happen. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be tempted. You're going to have difficulties. Some of them will last a little while. Some might be your life. But as Jesus said to bear up under the cross, whatever your cross to bear is, like Titus, you can hold up under the pressure. Finally, we learn about Titus in his heart in Titus 1, verses 4 and 5. When Paul wrote to him the book with his name, this letter to him, in verse 5 that Paul said for this reason I have left you in Crete that you could appoint elders in every city. Because of the heart that Titus had. Because of the fruit that he had exhibited. Paul could trust him. And he could leave Titus to do a very important job. Titus was going to now get churches set up and organized as God would have them do it. You've probably had the feeling at some time in your life that says, it's just so difficult to get somebody else to do it the way that it needs to be done. I'd just as soon do it myself. But Paul could trust Titus. Titus. And Paul knew that if he just left Titus to do that job, he would do it. Why did Paul know that? Because he knew the heart of Titus. He knew it. Do you want to be a person like Titus? I think all of us would like to be. And a final thing that is necessary and helpful for us. That kind of heart, the heart that Titus had, if I have it and if you have it, will be missed when we're not around. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Furthermore, when I came to Troas, a great door was opened to me by the Lord, to preach the gospel of Christ. Notice verse 13. I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother. I don't think I've ever noticed this before. Notice. Paul said, God opened doors for me. Oh, he does. He opens doors for us every single day. The question is not, will he open the door? The question is, will I see it? And will I walk through it? And Paul saw all of these doors when he was called over into Macedonia. But there was a problem he missed Titus. A person of a good heart was so necessary to Paul that even though he saw the open doors that God wanted him to take, he was still not at peace in his spirit because he couldn't find Titus. Going through open doors... Taking those opportunities, they are so much easier when there's somebody of a good heart with whom to partner. Because sometimes the doors that God opens are difficult. They're not easily handled. It takes more than just me. But how beautiful is it and peaceful when people of good hearts will join together? Do you want to be a person of a good heart? Because you'll be missed. When you leave, you will be missed. Right now, you may be thinking of somebody that has a good heart, and and you just miss them. You want to see them. In fact, it may be that talking about this today might inspire somebody to go home and say, I've got to call so-and-so. I haven't talked to them in a while, and I just miss them because I know their hearts. I know of people right here of good heart. Maybe you can't wait to get here when we assemble because there's that person or that person or that person who's going to inspire you, challenge you. You know their hearts, and you can't wait to be with them. Let me leave this challenge with us today. Let us be people who will be missed. Let us be people who will be missed when we're not around because of the hearts that we put on display for everybody to see. And every now and then, go back and read the heart that Titus had. And let's work on being that kind of person. In the Bible, the heart is the mind. Those are the same things in Scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, Let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. He could just as easily have said, Let this heart be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What did he do? He laid his life down for us a good heart, decides, I will lay my heart down, I will lay my life down for Jesus who gave me a chance to have a good heart. If you've not followed through your heart of wanting to be with Jesus, submitting yourself to baptism to be immersed, to be cleansed, to have that new life. Today would be a great day to do that. It would also be a great day to say, God, I want my heart to be better. And if you want to tell us about that, we're here to help you while we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.